Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 76 of the podcast. I hope you're all doing well out there. The sun is shining as I record. It is very cold out, but it's lovely. I'm actually really enjoying getting out walking at the moment. One of the perks of lockdown. And strangely enough, the coldest days have been some of the nicest days. Just wrap up and get out there. You feel amazing when it's done. Today, I have to get into the podcast pretty quickly because I have a consultation call with a client in exactly 48 minutes time. So no hanging about on today's podcast. We need to get straight into it. This time of year, people try to create a shift in their life. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Some will be still doing okay. I would suspect the vast majority will have already fallen off the wagon as we head into February. New Year's resolutions for me don't work. It's about creating long-term lifestyle change. And this is why you never see people who train regularly, for example, speaking about New Year's resolutions. For the simple reason that they don't need to. They train all year round, they enjoy Christmas, and then they just pick it up, get back to their normal routine in January. It's not about new me, new year, new me, and all that nonsense. I don't buy into that at all. I think if you're only looking at it with that regard, and you're really up in the intensity for a week or two, it's inevitable if you try to go from zero to 100 in the space of two weeks, that you're going to crash and burn. So you need to take a long-term approach to it. And you need to make it lifestyle. That's what it's about, that it becomes part of your daily life, that it's here forever. And that word forever scares people, but that's the way we need to look at it. If we're serious about creating lasting change, we have to be thinking in terms of forever. And this got me thinking about when are people actually ready to change? That moment when they realise I can't keep going as I am. I don't want to be this person anymore. I want to change something. And I think there's one thing that's important to reiterate here. People only change when they're actually ready. That's when lasting change happens. No matter how much you want it for somebody else, it doesn't work. It doesn't work until they realise something has got to change here. I can't keep going on as I am. I think if it, in terms of alcoholics, people who are addicted to cigarettes, people who are addicted to gambling, you know logically that them actually changing something about that is going to improve their quality of life and it's going to improve the lives of the people around them. And it's something maybe that actually needs to happen. But if that person can't see that for themselves, then no no amount of telling them they need to do something is going to make any difference. It's probably only going to create more disconnection because suddenly you become a bit of a nag. (laughs) As, As not very pleasant as that phrase is, that's how they see it. You're nagging at them all the time. Stop telling me I have to do this. And it's like a child. The more you tell a child don't do something, the more frustrated they're going to get and the more they're probably going to want to do it. So sometimes you have to wait until they figure it out for themselves that it's something that needs to happen. Until that moment happens, you're really fighting a losing battle in terms of weight loss, in terms of health, in terms of people getting in shape. You could know that somebody needs to lose five stone. They could be very overweight. Their health could be really suffering. But until they actually want to do it themselves... You trying to tell them they need to eat healthier, it's not going to make a blind bit of difference. And I've seen this. I've seen with couples, for example, where one partner will drag another one along because they feel that the partner needs to change. But the partner has no intention of changing. They're there to keep that person happy. That's the only reason they've turned up, just to go along with it and to be seen to doing something. Until the moment comes when they genuinely want to change, then we're pretty much wasting our time. So when when are people actually ready? I think there's a tipping point for most people. I think it's when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, I think that's when people will do something. When they hit that moment of, I can't keep going on like this. I can't live anymore. This is hurting me too much. This is hurting the people around them too much. I genuinely want to change my life. I don't want to do this anymore. 
I think until that happens, we're probably always only going to create temporary change. If it's, yeah, well, I should do it, or I feel like it's something that, yeah, would improve, but, you know, that's going to create temporary change. When they actually hit that moment where there's no return, that's when you're going to create lasting change. So this got me thinking about when are people actually ready? And I think there's a bit of a readiness formula in a way. I think there are different phases to readiness, and that's what I want to share with you today. And the first phase is the should phase. So what's the should phase? The should phase is, well, you know, I should mow the lawn. I should get a job. I should lose weight. Should doesn't actually mean an awful lot. You're saying I should lose weight while you're simultaneously reaching for the television remote and the Pringles. So it's there. There's an acknowledgement, but it's not actually going to make a blind bit of difference. So that's the should phase. I should lose a few pounds. I should get to the gym more often. I should try to keep an eye on my food. The should approach, in all honesty, is worthless. It doesn't make any difference to the reality or to the outcome. It's acknowledging it, but it's not actually doing anything. So a lot of people are in the should phase. And I think a lot of people that are in the should phase are a million miles away from creating any lasting change. Because it's I should, rather than actually I'm going to. It's I should. So that's the should phase. And intentions are no good. Intentions are bullshit. I'm afraid to say intentions are BS. They're no good. You can tell me I intended to get the oil topped up. I intended to put oil in the tank. I intended to do it. Well, intentions are not much use when your family are sitting in the living room shivering because there's no oil in the tank. You with me? So should, intentions, great in theory, but in practice, they're not going to change anything. So that's the first phase of readiness, I think, is the should phase. Although it's pretty worthless, it's still a step up from not acknowledging anything and just blind denial. There's no problem whatsoever. So should is a step in the right direction, but it's still pretty worthless. The next phase is the could stage. The could stage is a pretty big step up from should. Because I think with the could stage, it's the next level up in that it's not perfect, but it is a willingness to do something. And maybe a little bit of knowledge has been gained. So instead of saying, I should lose a few pounds, it becomes, I could lose a few pounds. You know what? I could lose a few pounds. You know what? I could go to the gym more often. You know what? I could try to keep an eye on my food more than I do. So it's a stronger word than should. We're now in a mindset where maybe we've gained a little bit of information and we know what we should be doing. Whereas maybe in the should phase, we don't really. We've acknowledged it, but there's possibly a lack of knowledge there. With the could phase, there's an acceptance that I actually know what to do. The knowledge is there. The the problem more so with with clients in the could phase is that they're struggling to implement consistently. So it's bringing a level of consistency to it. So you probably know what to do in the could phase, but it's that you're not doing what you know or that you're struggling to do it consistently. You know, I could go to the gym more often. So you know what to do. You could go to the gym. Now it's bringing consistency consistency, and it's actually going to the gym more often. So it's a big step up from the should phase. The should phase is acknowledgement that there's something that needs to be done or something that needs to be faced. The could phase is going, yeah, I actually could do it. I know what to do. So the third phase then, and this is the one that actually creates lasting change. This is the important one. This is the must phase. So the third one is must. This is the stage where it all clicks in your mind as much as anything. The penny finally drops. I have to do this. It's the must stage. I must do it. Jerry Duffy, my good friend, always says, must is a great master when you don't have a choice. When you reach that point of no return, I actually have to do this. 
like myself and with Jerry when we started speaking, we both kind of had similar stories, struggled with actually getting in front of people speaking. We were quite introverted. But when you feel like you don't have a choice, when this is actually something you have to do and there's no other way out, when you hit that point where it's more painful to stay the same, that's when you must do it. And when you must do it is when you will create success. So must is the key to success in sport and in training. When it's no longer optional. We've moved past, I should do it. We've moved past, I could do it. Now we've hit, I must do it. It is non-negotiable. I must do it. I must lose a few pounds. I must get to the gym more often. I must keep an eye on my food. And it's not a throwaway must. It's not, oh yeah, I must do that. It's not that. It's I must do it. I have to do it. It is non-negotiable. It is not optional. I must do it. I will do it. So the must phase is the key to success. In sport, in training, whatever your goal is. In life, I would say. In career. In anything you're trying to achieve. You need that mindset of, it has to be done now. I must do this. I could do it, I should do it, no longer relevant. Now, I must do it. As I'm speaking, I'm thinking of a little conversation I had in our Facebook group with one of my online clients last night. And it's kind of relevant to this. So it's the difference really between should and must. It's very, very cold out here in Ireland, the west of Ireland at the moment. And myself and my clients have still been getting out. We've been training away and we've been saying, we'll wrap up and we'll get it done. And in the Facebook group last night, one of my clients said she was just leaving work and so many people were speaking about how they can't wait to get home and sit beside the fire because it's so cold. Whereas she was in her training gear, ready to get out for a run and really looking forward to it because it makes her feel great. And that was the highlight of her day. So that is the difference between must and should. The people that should do it, yeah, they should do it. They'll acknowledge it, but they'll still go home and sit beside the fire because it's cold. Whereas my client who is very much in the zone and has been making massive progress and who's loving her training and the lifestyle she's leading, she doesn't see it as optional. The actual thought of going home sitting beside the fire doesn't even occur to her because it's not an option anymore. Her way of life is that she goes home and she goes for a run and that's what she does and she does that without even thinking about it. It's not optional and it's changing words as well. And again, I come back to Jerry Duffy. One of the things Jerry speaks about a lot, Jerry ran 32 marathons in 32 days. But Jerry always speaks about changing one word in the sentence. So you move from I have to train to I get to train. You appreciate it. You realize that you're very privileged to be able to do it. And you're in a very lucky position that you have the option to do that. You can get out and do it. And when you're in that mindset and you appreciate everything, there's a lot of gratitude. Then there's no other choice but to do it because you actually want to do it. So my client yesterday, same thing. Never even was there a possibility that she was going to go home and sit beside the fire and watch television and feel sorry for herself and say it's too cold to go training. She was the same as myself. It's a case that sometimes it's just getting out the door is the hardest bit. When you get out there, it is absolutely glorious out at the moment. So that's the difference. The people who are in the should phase, they're not going to do it. They're going to say, well, I might do it, should do it, but they're not going to do it. They're going to go home. They're going to sit down beside the fire. They're going to watch television and they're going to crack open the Pringles. That's what they're going to do. My client who is in the must stage, she's just going to go for a run. It's non-negotiable. It's just part of her life. It's what she does. So that is the difference. And I hope that is making sense to you. So here's a few questions to take you from could to must. So I'm going to already just assume in this situation that we've moved past should. 
The should people are the ones that are doing absolutely nothing. They're in that worthless phase. They acknowledge that they should do something, but they won't actually do it. The could people, they've moved on. They have said, you know what, I could do a little bit more. So I'm going to talk now about move from could to must. Here's a couple of questions to consider. And I speak a lot about your why. This is going to come up again. What rewards will I get if I reach my goals? So if you're thinking about moving from the could stage to the must stage, there's a question. What rewards will I get if I reach my goals? So what rewards will I get by actually wrapping up and going out for a run this evening instead of going home sitting beside the couch because or sitting beside the fire because it's cold? What rewards will I get? Ask yourself that and write them down. Write down what those rewards are. Maybe it is improving your health. Maybe it is improving your self-esteem when you start to see yourself getting in better shape. Maybe it is feeling more attractive within yourself or for a partner. And maybe it's if you're single, and, and this sounds a little bit harsh as well, but maybe if it's you're single, that it's going to give you more confidence in yourself that you can get out there and start meeting people and you feel better and you feel like you look a million dollars and your confidence levels are through the roof. So what rewards am I going to get if I achieve my goals? Maybe it's that you are setting a better example for your kids. Maybe it's that you're improving your health. As we mentioned last week, somebody said to me recently, I want to be here to see my kids grow up. Maybe that's the reward. You know what, guys? Seeing your kids growing up is a pretty good reward for getting out for a run instead of sitting beside the fire. The reward's pretty good there, if you ask me. So maybe make a little list of those things. What rewards will I get if I achieve my goal, if I reach my goal? Next question. I'm moving from could to must. What are the consequences of not reaching my goals? What are the consequences of not reaching my goals? Sometimes that pain point can be a huge motivator as well. So yes, we can look at what are the good things if I reach my goals, but what are the consequences of not reaching them? It's something that is worth considering. That pain point can be a great motivator. For an athlete, for example, I have some great friends who are elite athletes, for example, and I can tell you one of the consequences for them would be something like not getting to the Olympics. That would be a huge pain point. And the pain of that would be overbearing for a lot of them. They've put four years training in. They've probably gave it their best. We hope they've gave it their best. And this is what we're talking about. That you have to give it your best. That I must give it my best. Because if I don't give it my best, what's going to happen with that four years training? If I don't reach the ultimate goal, which for a lot of them might be reaching the Olympics. If I don't do that, the pain is going to be huge. I've wasted four years pretty much simply because I maybe didn't do as much as I should have done or I could have done. Or I must have done. So the consequences can often be a strong motivator. And I want you to ask yourself that question as well. What are the consequences of not changing? What are the consequences of staying the same? Of doing the same thing I've been doing for the last five years, for the last ten years? People complain about their lives. People complain about their health. But yet they'll keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And they won't change anything. They won't do anything about it. So if you're going to continue doing the same thing, that's okay. But my question is, what are the consequences of it? And I want you to strongly consider that. And I want you to write it down. If you consider where you're at now, and if you consider where you're going to be, if you keep going on the same trajectory, where are you going to end up? And what are the consequences of that? It's a strong motivator and it's worth considering. Is it your health that's going to suffer? Is your self-esteem suffering at the moment? And if you continue to go as you are, is it going to suffer even more? Is your mental health suffering because of the way you're living your life? I don't know what your goal is. Your goal could be very different to my goal, but it's always the same question is relevant. What are the consequences of not reaching my goal? 
what are the consequences of not changing? A couple of questions worth considering there if you're thinking about moving from could to must. So we've mentioned our athlete, elite level athlete, maybe the consequences of not doing it are that they're going to fail to make the Olympics, which is a huge pain point for a lot of them. Now let's bring it back to the average person, to you and I, to the people who are listening to the podcast, the regular Joe and Josephine on the street. Here's another example. It's a little bit extreme, but it's going to illustrate the point. I will often hear people saying to me, I can't run. I can't do this. I can't do that. I've never done it before. It's out of my comfort zone. I actually just can't do it. What about if we took a woman who says she can't run a mile? As an example. So a woman says she can't run a mile. But if you then told that woman her child is one mile away and the child is tied to a railway track. Do you think she still can't run a mile? I would have a wild guess here that the temporary issues around rising heart rate and sweating will fade into insignificance pretty quickly. So everything is a story we tell ourselves in our mind. We can tell ourselves we can't run a mile, but the reality is probably very different. If we were put to the pen of our collar, could we run a mile? I would say we probably could, if it was a life or death situation. If you were told your house is on fire one mile away and your family are in it, would you be able to run a mile? I'm guessing you might. I'm guessing you might. So everything we tell ourselves is a story. Everything we tell ourselves is a story. And I want you to question those stories. And I want you to realise that you're capable of achieving a lot more than you're telling yourself. I think that's 99% of us. I think we're all nearly capable of more than we tell ourselves. We underestimate ourselves. And please stop underestimating yourself because other people will do that for you. Other people in your life will do that for you. And I'm sure you've seen that yourself. People underestimate us. People write us off. People are more than happy to drag us down. So don't do it to yourself as well. Build yourself up. Don't knock yourself down. There's loads you can do and there's loads you can achieve. And you're capable of much more probably than you even realise. So that's the... The could, the should, the could, and the must. So just a couple more things. I'm making a, making it a must before I finish up. I do have to. I do have to get off the the, uh, the the recording because I have a consultation call coming up in I reckon about twenty minutes time now. So I'm going to keep it moving. Making it a must. Here's a few more tips. Tell people what you want to do. Make it public. Put it out there. If you keep it to yourself, you probably won't do it because there'll be no accountability. There'll be nobody to come back and say how are you getting on there. So make it public. Tell people. And also speak to those who have done it before you. You can only learn from people who have done it before you. People who have achieved what you want to do. Go and ask them for advice. Most will be more than happy to, to give you that advice. So people who have done it before you. Or even people who might only be one or two steps ahead of you. I'm sure they can still give one or two tips. And even in coaching. Sometimes all you need is to be a few steps ahead of the client. That you just know a little bit more than they do. You don't need to know everything. But even somebody who's only a few steps ahead of you can probably help you out. So make it make public. Tell people what you're doing. Don't be shy about it because if you're shy about it, there's not going to be any pressure on you. And when temptation is put in your way, you're probably going to falter. So I wouldn't be shy about telling people. So that's just a little tip for you. Tell people what you want to do. And that will very quickly turn it from a could to a must. Also, the consequences of staying the same. I've mentioned that, so I'm not going to go too deep on it again. Consequences of staying the same is an important one. Write it down. Know what they are. Come back to it comes a little bit of a driver for you and have an accountability plan have an accountability plan what is your accountability plan going to be without an accountability plan i think people don't do so well i think that's why a lot of people take up new year's resolutions in january go in too deep firstly because they've no most of them don't take on professional guidance so they do too much too soon 
but also because there's no accountability and there's nobody coming back asking, well, what are you actually doing? Is it appropriate for the goal that you're trying to achieve? And have you done the work today? So what's your accountability strategy? I would definitely recommend taking on a coach if you're able, if you can afford it, if you're in that position. And if not, think about how you could maybe rope in somebody else. It might be somebody that is on a similar journey to yourself, wants to do the same thing that you want to do. Maybe you could hold each other accountable. Or maybe you could start posting your updates to your social media. That might hold you accountable. Whatever it is that works for you, but come up with an accountability plan. Because without one, most most change is temporary without an accountability plan. So I think that is important. And lastly, and this sounds like a bit of a funny one, but act as if you've already achieved it. Act as if you've already achieved it. So if you want to be an elite athlete, act like an elite athlete. Do those behaviours and those habits that they would do. You might not be to the same level or the same standard, but act as if. And you'll be amazed at how you can fool your brain. The brain is quite easily fooled. If you're on a weight loss journey, buy some clothes that you want to fit into or have some old clothes that you want to fit into and hang them up where you can see them every day. And that will start to trick the brain on getting into those clothes. That's my motivator. That's what's going to get me there. So act as if. I think it's a good one. And, you know, people often say fake it till you make it. I don't really agree with that because in terms of business, I think if you're trying to build a business and you're putting out there that, oh, I've already made it and I'm already so successful. I think people say through that straight away. And I think you're better off actually being honest with people and showing them where you're at because they resonate with it a little bit more. But this is different from fake it till you make it. This is setting higher standards. So this is acting as if in terms of your behaviours and in terms of how you're going to live your life. So if you're telling me you want to be two stone lighter, well, what are people who are two stone lighter actually doing? They're probably making different decisions to you. They're not coming home and stuffing their face with cake. So I don't want you to do that either. I want you to act as if they would. So your question then becomes, what would that person that's two stone lighter do in this scenario? What decision would they make? So what would a healthy person do in this situation? Ask yourself that question. Or if there's something that you want to achieve, if it's speaking, for example, and here's a, here's another example. I think if you're somebody who's trying to get out there as a speaker, model yourself on people that you admire and that you look up to. One of the things I see an awful lot at the minute is personal trainers who are effing and blinding and swearing on their videos because James Smith does it. I'm sure a lot of you have discovered James Smith. I used to like James Smith. I've actually unfollowed him at the moment, to be honest. Um, yeah, he's promoting stuff I don't like, drugs and alcohol and whatever, and living a laddish lifestyle. And some people love him, but I've kind of turned off him a little bit recently, to be honest. But I do see an awful trend towards personal trainers are trying to follow what he's doing and they're going out there and they're swearing and blinding and it just doesn't work for them because it's not their personality and it doesn't really fit and they're probably attracting the wrong type of client then and then my question comes back to well what am I aspiring to be and if as a speaker I want to be like this person or this person then I gotta hold myself to that standard so I look at the likes of even my speaking coach Jerry Duffy I've mentioned Jerry a few times today I think he's getting great at promotion but I look at Jerry Duffy and I say well what would Jerry do in this scenario and it's that question you come back to again. And sometimes there's times where maybe something has bugged me and I'm tempted to go on a rant. I go, what would Jerry do? Jerry would be calm and composed and make good, relevant points. And he'll stay positive. He won't start ranting and raving for the sake of it just because it's annoyed him. So what would that person that I want to be like or what that thing that I'm aiming for, that goal that I want to achieve, that thing I'm aspiring towards, what would the person that's already there, what would they do? What would their behaviours be? So again, for you, it might be weight loss. 
what would a healthy person do here? That person I know that has lost five stone and has got into amazing shape and that I've got huge respect and admiration for. What would they do in this scenario? It's a good question. So that is today's podcast on the phases of readiness, I guess I could call it. The phases of readiness, I think you will only change when you're actually ready to change, but it's moving from that should phase to the could phase and then to the most phase. And when you're in the most phase, it just becomes part of your life. There's no other option. It's just what you do. I have another client I'm working with at the moment, actually, and been working with her since, I think, about last, was it March or April? And she's doing really well. She had another milestone during the week, and I'm so proud of her, and I'm so thrilled that she is doing well. And we had a conversation around accountability, which is something I've touched on earlier, and why, we were just looking at why so many people lose weight and then gain it all back within even the first three months. That's a huge percentage of people. She's been doing really well for about a year now. And funnily enough, the only time there was an upward trend in her weight was actually at Christmas. And even at that, it was very, very minimal. It went up by two pounds at Christmas. And then it was just straight back on track. So throughout the whole 12 months, that was the only time there was an upward trend. Everything else was either staying the same or it was going downwards. And we had a conversation about why so many people lose a lot of weight and then gain it back really, really quickly. And she said to me, I think the reason that I've been able to do this is because of the Facebook group. So we've got a private Facebook group with our clients where we're all supporting each other and we're all encouraging each other. And she's been obviously with this little group of people for a long, long time now. And she just feels like it's that support network, it's that accountability, it's posting every day, it's letting people know what you're doing, it's seeing what other people are doing. And I always encourage people to hang around with like-minded people. I've mentioned that already, somebody who has done what you want to do or who is currently on that journey, people who are positive, people who are driven, people who have ambition and are motivated, hang around with those people. So the likes of Facebook groups and that can be a fantastic resource but get stuck into them. Use it properly. Don't hang back and wait for other people to post and watch what they're doing. Get in there. Get posting. It's going to help you out enormously. So she's an example of that. She's done so well over the last year or whatever it is. But she did say to me, I think it's the Facebook group. So I think there's a lesson in that when I'm saying to you about having an accountability plan. Don't go on solo runs. Don't try to do everything on your own. Get support and get guidance and get a level of accountability and you'll do an awful lot better. And with that, it sounds like I've set myself up to advertise here, but I didn't actually mean to do that, but it's what's going to happen. I'm taking on new clients for February at the moment, and we're almost booked out. So I'm starting again on Monday. So it's the 15th, day after Valentine's Day. Let you enjoy your chocolate, and then we're getting right back in the groove. So I'm taking on new clients. We're almost full, but I think I've about two places left at the moment. Elevate is my 12-week course. It is primarily about getting in shape. That is the main theme throughout the 12 weeks. That is why most people are there. But there's a lot more to it than that as well. There's life coaching, there's mindset work, there's personal development work. We have a different module each week throughout the 12 weeks. So you're looking at things like mental health, stress management, which is important at the moment. Time management, that's a big one as well with people homeschooling and whatnot. We have things like improving relationships with the people around you. So it's the whole life picture. We're looking at bringing your whole life into balance, not just saying here, let's get in great shape. That's one component. But there's a lot more to it than that. So I would love to hear from you if you're somebody who's at that stage of going from could to must. If you're in that stage, you're the person I want to work with. If you're in the should stage and you're going, oh, I should do this, but I'm actually going to go home and watch television and have a Ben and Jerry's instead. I don't really want to hear from you. So don't message me. If you're in the could stage and you're going, yes, I could do that and I want to do that and I'm ready to commit to that, then you're the person I want to hear from, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to shoot me a private message or an email with the word elevate. 
and then I'll know what it's about and I will have a chat with you and there's no obligation whatsoever. We'll have a chat and we'll see if we're a good fit to work together and if I can help you and hopefully we'll plot a route forward for you. So that's it, folks, for this week. I hope you have found that useful and found something of benefit in it, as always. But as I always say, folks, put this stuff into practice. There's no point in me recording podcasts and you listening and saying that was nice, but never actually doing anything about it. Some people circle success. They've been circling success for 10 years now. They've been in the should phase for 10 years now. It's time to step out of the should phase and it's time to start implementing and start doing. So with that, I will leave you and love you and I will speak to you again next week. All the best.